Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. All right, everybody, you're all looking good today, whatever time of day it is for you. We want to welcome you. This is the Global Watch International Call. It is July 3rd, 2023, 6 a.m. Jerusalem time. This hour is the journey, which is our weekly discipleship hour. This hour, we have our very own Jenny Hager, who will be leading the journey both this week and next week. And the title of her talks for these two weeks are Discerning the Spirit of Jezebel and Ahab. So, Jenny, we're just going to bless you, and then we will turn it right over to you. Father, I thank you for, for Jenny. We just bless you, Jenny, in the name of the Lord. We're so thankful for you, for your ministry for your decades of faithfulness and passion and pioneering spirit that you have and it's an inspiration to all of us and we just declare a great favor over you that god's favor surrounds you as with a shield we just declare that on you is that spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better it's right out of ephesians 1 we just declare that you will, we just declare over you renewed strength that that those who weigh on the Lord will renew their strength and that no weapon formed against you will prosper. We just declare long, healthy life that you will be active in the Lord and doing mighty exploits until the day and the minute that he takes you home. And we just declare those things and let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Declare those things in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Jenny, I have a worship song that goes along with your message here today whenever you're ready. Maybe if we could just open with it, because I think that the the message of the Father's love is a very important one in the things that I'm going to be sharing. Amen. So everybody just focus in on this worship and get rid of all the extras and let's zero in on this very important message. Amen. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord. We're asking for your anointing today, Lord, on myself as I share this message and on all those listening, Lord, that you will continue to teach us. You will continue to give us revelation. You will continue to equip us. And Lord, you are the captain of the host and we are following you in the battle. And we thank you for just your faithfulness as you watch over us and as you lead us. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. My message today on discerning the spirit of Jezebel and Ahab is building on from the previous teachings on the Global Watch and especially Shirley Momberg's two sessions on the spirit of Elijah, the call, the cost and the character. It was a wonderful teaching to help us understand the call of Elijah on our lives today. Now we're drawing our attention to the strongholds that contended against Elijah, strongholds that we must be anointed and equipped to deal with in our walk with the Lord if we are to carry the Elijah mandate as watchmen, prophets and intercessors. Jezebel is one of the most dominating, controlling spirits 
that I have had to contend with over many years as a watchman. So I'm hoping this message will really strengthen and encourage you. At times when we are under spiritual attack, it's often difficult to see the wood from the trees because we are too closely involved. At first, we struggle to understand what's going on as we walk through the fire, seeking the Lord's understanding. Ephesians 6.12, you all know it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible makes it clear that we wrestle, we contend against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so it is with Jezebel and Ahab. We are trained by the Lord to contend against these strongholds, just as Elijah was called to do. Let me give you a personal testimony as to how the Lord first trained me to discern the spirit of Jezebel. My husband and I grew up in the Anglican church, and it was there that the Lord began to raise me up as a prophet. Without going into it, I was eventually forbidden to prophesy by the Anglican Archbishop of our city, because back in those days, there was very little understanding of the prophetic. Eventually, my husband and I, with our three sons, were led to, in 1984, to join a prophetic Christian community. And here we grew in the Lord and entered into deeper fellowship. These were glorious days. The worship was powerful and the young people were writing songs. They even had their own song books back in those days, songs that expressed our kingdom walk. As a family, we sat under excellent teaching and I experienced more freedom as I was set free from childhood past trauma. And I also developed in the prophetic. So it was just a glorious time. After three years, the leader left for the mission field, leaving a team of young people in charge. Eventually, one amongst them, an older lady, rose up as leader and began to control the community. Problems arose, division set in, and the leader targeted me with false accusations, even persuading people that I wanted her to die. When she didn't get her own way, she actually began to vomit blood. And she would say it was the Lord's sign that they were grieving him by not obeying her. As you can understand, this was a very troubling time. It became a very intense spiritual battle. And when I cried out to the Lord, he said to me, this is the spirit of Jezebel. Now, up to then, I really had not had experience that I was aware of with this spirit. When I shared this with the community, none stood with me except my husband, and I was excommunicated. For months, I walked through the dark night of the soul, especially as two of our sons were still in the community under the influence of this spirit. But within a year, the community was destroyed, never to rise again, and our sons were set free. People left so confused and so traumatized. That season of my life was a long wilderness walk, and I struggled to understand that the Lord would ever again use me in any significant way. 
But as Deborah Boggs so wonderfully taught us recently, the Lord prepares us in the wilderness. It was there that the Lord began to teach me about Elijah, Jezebel, Ahab, and later, Athaliah. I came out of that wilderness with a fresh vision to build the first house of prayer in Australia. And there was a new empowerment and authority upon me. I received revelation that the Lord had allowed me to be attacked by Jezebel as a warning that I was never to allow that spirit in my life and in the life of the community of people he was now gathering around me. I had personally experienced the destruction that Jezebel brings and I was not in any way to tolerate her or her, allow her through the gates of the Australian House of Prayer for All Nations. As a watchman, we work for the Lord and we follow him even when he takes us where we do not want to go, especially when he takes us where we do not want to go. Many times over the years, the Lord has used me as a watchman to bring warnings to others. Many times there has been a Jezebel reaction against me and many times I have seen the Lord's judgments fall. That is the pattern of Elijah, Jezebel, the Lord's judgment and restoration following repentance. So just some history on Jezebel. She was the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidon Sidonians, who came to his throne by plotting murder. And if you're taking notes, 1 Kings 16. Ethbaal means with Baal or unto Baal. Or, or Val is alive. Jezebel married Ahab as part of a trade deal between Ethbaal and Ahab. It was a commercial alliance and not a marriage of love. Ahab's father, Omri, was king of Israel for 12 years. He wanted to secure and enlarge his kingdom, so he was happy to forge an unholy alliance for his son to marry a foreign bride in Jezebel. The Old Testament records that Baal, and his name means king, lord, or master, was the chief god of the Canaanites who controlled the skies and the water and the weather. That's why the battle were, that Elijah was told there'd be no rain three years and then was told that the Lord would then bring rain. That's because they were standing against that stronghold of Baal. Jezebel worshipped Ashtoreth, also known as Astarte, the Canaanite mother goddess. Remember that word, mother, the Canaanite mother goddess of love and fertility. In Babylonia, she is known as the queen of heaven, also called Ishtar. I'd like to share a bit more on that next week. The name Jezebel means in Hebrew, pure, chaste or virginal, but she was anything but that. Other meanings are without dwelling or habitation, without cohabitation, signifying her independence. She established the worship of Baal and other gods into Israel, having learned her evil ways from her father, including the ability to plot and murder. She was a harlot and an adulteress who practiced the art of witchcraft. And you can look that up in 2 Kings 9.22. She was audacious enough to order 
that stone idols be set up on the high places of Israel. Ahab built her a worship center in Samaria, the capital city of the Northern Kingdom, and her evil influence increased over the nation. At the time of her death, King Jehu showed no mercy to Jezebel. He ordered the eunuchs to throw her out the window and he trampled on her body with his horses from 2 Kings 9, 31 to 33. He didn't stop there. He went after all of Ahab's 70 sons because Ahab obviously had other wives and concubines and to have them all killed. Jehu was going to destroy the whole town where they lived and the people came out and asked him, what do we have to do, Jehu? Jehu told them that if they wanted to live, they had to deliver to him the heads of Ahab's children. This is how serious God is against this stronghold. Imagine the slaughter of these 70 children. They killed the children and they delivered the 70 heads to Jehu. He went into the temple of Baal and burned the sacred articles. His men broke down the pillar of Baal and tore down the temple. And 2 Kings 10.28 tells us that Jehu destroyed Baal from Israel. The Lord today is releasing the spirit of Elijah to defeat the plans of the Jezebel spirit. We need to recognize that Jezebel is one of the most controlling spirits we will contend with in our walk. And especially if the Lord is calling and anointing us to a higher level of kingdom authority, the more authority the Lord gives you in the kingdom, the more this spirit will target you and attack you. Jezebel goes after the anointing to quench and destroy, to quench or destroy it through manipulation and control. She especially targets watchmen, prophets and intercessors. So prayer ministries and houses of prayer are targets. Now I'd just like to go into some of the manifestations of this Jezebel spirit and they're not necessarily in the order that I'm going to share them with you. But Jezebel sets herself up to operate as a spiritual mother. And these manifestations, they're like a checklist to us to make sure that we keep these things out of our lives. The first one is witchcraft. The Bible clearly says that she was involved in witchcraft, resulting in a murderous intent to have her own way. Number two, control. This is a very authoritarian and unyielding controlling spirit, controlling others. This is one of the strongest manifestations of the Jezebel spirit, that is control. If you have had a controlling mother or father, you may come under Jezebel's control out of fear. This spirit is so deceptive that people being controlled do not always discern that they are being controlled, even when warned by others. And some of the things I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing because I have ministered to people under this stronghold. Jenny, Dom Jenny, wait a second. Go back and say what you just said once one more time, a little slowly, because that's something important to catch. The spirit is so deceptive that people being controlled do not always discern that they are being controlled even when warned by others. Is that what you meant, Sue? Yeah. 
Yeah. Say it one more time because it's yeah. a complex thought, but it's important. Yeah, I'll just go back to that paragraph, control. The spirit is very authoritarian and unyielding in controlling others. This is one of the strongest manifestations of this spirit. If you've had a controlling mother or father, you may come under Jezebel's control out of, your, out of fear. This spirit is so deceptive that people being controlled do not always discern that they are being controlled, even when warned by others. So you try to explain this to them and they can't see it. They're so controlled. It's like they've been programmed by Jezebel and they just can't see it. This is they, not an they, easy... Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's very important. They can't see and they no. cannot hear. That's right. That's exactly right. Domination is another manifestation, the opposite to walking in humility. The control is expressed through domination over others. And as this is a false authority, it often pulls rank to assert itself, claiming a hierarchical order over others. And this is because pride and arrogance has taken a foothold. So we have to be very careful in our lives that we do always walk in humility to be able to stand against these temptations that come our way. Manipulation, this is a very strong manipulating spirit. It, in spiritual warfare, it twists, it turns. There's no way that we can stand against it without the Holy Spirit leading us and empowering us and showing us what we're to do when we pray. Revenge is another strong manifestation. This spirit is into payback when you challenge it. This revenge can be so strong that it makes many people pull back from confronting it. So it's, it intimidates so strongly that people know that if they do speak out, then they'll get some sort of a backlash back and I just don't mean words, but feeling the oppression of the demon itself, that strong push of the demon to try and, and intimidate us in that way. So the next point was intimidation. Elijah ran from this spirit. The seventh point I've written is seduction, sexual immorality, and the LGBTQ community under tremendous attack from this spirit. This spirit woos people with strong soul power, even using tears to soften hearts that's so that people yield to its demands. Beware of Jezebel tears. When you're ministering to somebody, they come under a victim mentality, might be tearful, but you need the discernment of the Lord to understand what is really going on. Underneath is a rebellious spirit desiring to have its own way. And so unless the person comes into repentance, these are what we would probably call crocodile tears. That seems a harsh thing to say, but this is very serious warfare that we're dealing with here. And we want to see people set free and organisations, churches set free from their spirit. It's especially woos leaders with sexual seduction. And this is rife in the church, the pastor having an affair with the intercessory leader or the worship leader, or this is when the spirit infiltrates the church quite strongly. 
My eighth point is fear. And this fear can be palpable. This is so strong that it takes the anointing of the Holy Spirit and courage to confront this spirit. Most people prefer not to because of the threat of repercussions, which I've mentioned. Working within the religious system, the spirit sometimes accuses people who are trying to help them of failing God or grieving the Lord, encouraging the people to work, walk in works to please God and bringing victims under the law and bringing false accusations to condemn people. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this spirit is so controlling, so intimidating, placing so much fear on people that this is why it attacks the anointing and it stops that freedom in the Holy Spirit. So you, it amazes me how churches can go on operating with no presence of the Holy Spirit there year in and year out. That is a very scary thing because the Father left the Holy Spirit on the earth today to lead us and be guide, guide us and be with us in our meetings. But that's how blind this spirit can make a church that they just keep operating and works without the presence and leading of Holy Spirit. My ninth point is deception. This spirit is dangerous in the church because it comes as a wolf in sheep's clothing, claiming to operate on Christ's behalf. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, many pastors fall under this deception. Number 10, unforgiveness. This is often the entry gate that gives this spirit a foothold Walking in forgiveness is part of the protection we have in spiritual warfare. I'm going to say that again. Walking in forgiveness is part of the protection we have in spiritual warfare. Do not go out to battle if you are walking in unforgiveness in your own life. And don't hold grudges. This spirit will raise up situations from even years ago. Do not hold grudges. We have to learn to walk properly before the Lord and so that there's no entry point to this spirit in our life. My 11th point is spirit of abortion. This spirit aborts God's plans and also Jezebel wants to all the time birth her own spiritual children. She destroys God's children to raise up her own, which comes into the spirit of abortion, euthanasia and anything to just destroy the creation of God. These are just some of the manifestations. The main point is we must be very careful that we do not allow her to get a foothold in our lives, that we do not let her in through any of our personal spiritual gates. We need apostolic and prophetic covering in our lives, watching over us and warning if they see any signs that we are coming under this spirit or under any deception. We all must unite and contend with it when it attacks through external sources or manages to gain a foothold in our own lives. We walk in the fruit of the spirit as seen in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's our checklist. 
if things don't line up with that, then we know that it's not God. When the Jezebel spirit is left unrecognized and not dealt with, it will destroy families. And I've witnessed all of this. It will destroy churches, businesses, mission organizations, anywhere where leaders hold positions of authority. Jezebel especially targets governments and those who have authority over nations, and we'll go into that more next week. It is a takeover spirit in the same way Naboth's vineyard was illegally taken from him. So it tries to take over the church. It tries to take over the businesses. It, it tries to take control. James 1.14 warns us that each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. I want to make it clear that I'm not referring here to righteous, strong women, anointed women in ministry, but to men and women who are not willing to walk in submission to God's authority placed over them. This spirit also operates through men, not just women. Jesus warned the church in Thyatira, and he didn't just say to the women of the church in Thyatira, he warned the whole church. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. That sacrifice to idols is really anything that is unclean. It has taken, it, sorry, it takes a courageous pastor to stand up to the spirit of Jezebel. This intimidating spirit will threaten, if you speak up, you might cause division in the church and people might leave. And then the finances will diminish and we won't have enough to pay our own salary or that of other staff. And so the pastor, he or she, compromises, not realizing that they are giving the spirit of Jezebel a stronger footing. I have seen eldership in churches also influence men and women with newfound authority in the church, which they sometimes did not carry in their workplaces. They wrongly begin to assert to control the pastor or ministers of the church where the Holy Spirit wants to move, especially among the prophets. Jezebel, as I've said, I keep saying it, attacks the anointing. When people start leaving the church, the leadership refuse to humble themselves and seek the Lord to find out the reason. There's no discernment that the anointing is dropping until it is too late. Ichabod, the glory has departed, and the church ends up closing down or continues with no power or authority in the kingdom. The Jezebel spirit always wants to destroy God's prophetic anointing and surround herself with her false prophets, similar to the 400 prophets of Asherah who ate at her table. Do not be found to be sitting at Jezebel's table. Having focused on her, I'm just going to say now about Ahab, but it's, you can't separate Jezebel and Ahab because they're king and queen working together. But 1 Kings 21.25 says, But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And that's exactly what she does. She stirs everything up. Ahab means one like father or stamped with the nature of his father. 
in this case, as we know, it was King Omri whose rulership was evil. This is a very bad genealogy. And sometimes we need to cut off this spirit from our genealogy if, it, if there's evidence that it has been there. Ahab represents all those who surrender their authority to a Jezebel spirit, operating in a passive spirit and letting her have her own way. It is far more prevalent today than many would discern. Ahab lacks legitimacy. He was the person in authority who was supposed to stop Jezebel in her evil ways. You know, the, when we are supposed to stop Jezebel and we don't, the judgment of God is surely upon us because we've let the Lord down. We've opened the gate. With this spirit, you've only got to open the gate a tiny bit and it will come rushing in. So that's why it takes courage to contend with people that are under this spirit. In the story of Naboth's vineyard, Jezebel took things into her own hands when Naboth would not sell to Ahab his land, which was right next door to Ahab's palace in Jezreel. Ahab wanted it to grow his own vegetables of all things. So he offered Naboth the opportunity to buy him a vineyard elsewhere or simply buy him out. Naboth rejected the offer. The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you from 1 Kings 21.3. He knew that under the law of the land, he should not give up. It wasn't just another block of land and this Naboth was enticing him to go somewhere else. It was the inheritance of his forefathers. When Jezebel finds Ahab lying on his bed sullen and dejected, she declares that she will take things into her own hands and give Ahab and get him the vineyard. And that is typical of this spirit. I'll do it. You're weak. I'll do it for you. And I'll do it in a ruthless way. Believing him to be weak, she took on his authority. She wrote letters in his name and sent them to the elders and nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. Speaking in religious terms, she called them to fast, seat Naboth, at a high place of honor and then allowed two false witnesses to accuse him of blaming God and the king. Raising up false witnesses against you, which I have had several times in my life, is quite a manifestation of Jezebel. She then ordered that Naboth be taken out and stoned to death from 1 Kings 21, 8 to 10. So she tricked him. Notice how in operating in this false authority, she raised up false witnesses who stood with her and used the name of God and the king to influence the people. This is typical of the crafty, lying and deceptive way in which this spirit manipulates. There's no conviction in her of the injustice that followed when innocent Naboth was stoned to death. His vineyard was not just a block of land, it was his inheritance, as I mentioned. When detecting the spirit of Jezebel, ask the Lord to reveal to you if the spirit is also operating in Ahab. Look around in the spiritual battle. Is there an Ahab somewhere who is giving his authority to her and empowering her? Um, this might be a pastor of a church or even a husband in a marriage or a work colleague or a government leader. We just learn to ask the Lord, is there an Ahab spirit here that needs to be cut off? 
sometimes the spirit and this I've seen will operate through a pastor's wife because the pastor is an Ahab under an Ahab spirit too weak to contend with her so the wife rises up as a Jezebel the husband is the Ahab but too weak to contend and this can also happen that a prayer leader in the church will come under Jezebel's influence and persuade a weak pastor that his wife has a problem that he should deal with. This has resulted in broken marriages and in divorces. So often the relationship with the intercessor ends in sexual relationships. Three times the Lord has sent me, by the way, to pastors, to three pastors, to say to them, you are committing adultery and the Lord is grieved, but the Lord wants you to repent of this. And each time they've been absolutely shocked. Nobody in the world knows this is happening. And I've said to them, the Lord loves you so much. He has sent me to tell you and to warn you. Over and over, we see Ahab yielding to Jezebel because he wanted to please her. How often we see this amongst we Christians. We're reluctant to speak up for justice and righteousness, making the excuse that we want to keep the peace or not cause trouble. Many of us will have been put to this test by God. Are we yearning for people to love us? Are we seeking their favour? Are we yielding to control? Are we allowing intimidation to persuade us to keep quiet? How many have missed God's calling because they have been weak like Ahab, fearing the consequences rather than fearing God? A spirit of Ahab avoids confrontation and denies fault, refusing to operate in godly authority and, and meek submission. When Elijah killed all the prophets of Baal, Ahab abdicated his authority to Jezebel. 1 Kings 19.1 says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel swung into revenge mode. There's that revenge. Threatening Elijah, so let the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Notice how she has not been intimidated by Elijah's great victory on Mount Carmel and how she still swore by the gods of Baal, not like the people who on seeing the fire of the Lord fall, fall fell on their faces and cried out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Her threats to Elijah, her threats to kill Elijah made him run for his life, fleeing to the wilderness where he sat under a broom tree praying to die. Preachers have puzzled over Elijah's reaction to Jezebel's threats, especially as God had given him such authority over the prophets of Baal. How could he be so fearful? Don't underestimate this high-ranking demonic power. Unless you have contended with it, you will have little understanding of the outpouring of fear and intimidation it can attack with. It makes threats that if we don't do what it wants, there will be repercussions. Jezebel falsely persuades leaders in the church that they have a power over people. And she asserts her authority by controlling. 
Pastors are well known for shutting down the prophetic to prevent any problems. And I can't tell you how many churches I've seen that in. A few mistakes made by the prophets and the pastor just shuts down the prophetic in the church, shutting down the word of the Lord. It's just so sad to see. It is so sad to see. Jezebel often gets others to do her dirty work, controlling them to act on her behalf. When challenged, she will feign innocent. I didn't do anything. It's always their fault. I didn't do anything. And then just nearing the end, a word on John the Baptist. The Bible tells us the spirit of Elijah was placed on John the Baptist. Luke 1.17 says he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Jesus himself said of John the Baptist, he himself is Elijah who was to come from Matthew 11.14. So what spirit attacked John when he carried the Elijah mantle? It was the spirit of Jezebel. She manifested through King Herod's wife Herodias and had John imprisoned from Mark 6.19. What Jezebel did to Elijah in the wilderness by calling him to doubt, Herodias did to John the Baptist, who then needed affirmation that Jesus was the Messiah. The same doubt came on him as had come on Elijah. Herodias's daughter, at her mother's request, demanded from Herod the head of John the Baptist. And just as Ahab was weak, so Herod yielded to the spirit of Jezebel and ordered the death of John. And Ahab is one who gives his authority to Jezebel, as I previously mentioned. Malachi prophesied, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and smite the earth with a curse. As Elijah comes before Jesus returns, so also is Jezebel rising to contend against the Elijah anointing. And again, I'd like to just share a bit more next week on that. Jezebel's job is the destruction of God's family. And Elijah's role is the restoration and building up of God's family. In closing, I'd like to give a couple of warnings. Don't go around naming anyone as a Jezebel. We need to watch our language. It's better to say we discern a spirit of Jezebel attacking whoever it is to get a foothold in that person's life. We are always at the mercy seat, praying for others to be set free mindful of the grace given to us by the Father. We avoid all accusations and judgment. Our position is to plead the blood of Christ on their behalf, always remembering, of course, the grace of God, I, the grace of God on my life. If God hadn't been gracious to me, I, in that fellowship that I've been in, I could have come under the whole thing. And I'm so aware of that wonderful grace that he gave me that he separated me from it and then told me what it was. Nor do we ever operate alone when it comes to spiritual warfare. We are a company of watchmen, prophets and intercessors. We never walk independently. We never take these strongholds on alone. And beware of those 
who have a redemptive gift of mercy. I'm mentioning this because one of my problems was one of the gifts God has given me is mercy, is compassion. And so I tended in the beginning, and I know some of our team did, we would say they had a bad childhood. We would be making excuses for them. And others would come to us and say, oh, you shouldn't be disciplining that person who's under that spirit because they were hit by a bus when they were eight and they've never been the same ever since. You receive all sorts of reasons why you as the leader should not be disciplining and contending against this spirit in, in, in somebody. And the Lord had to reveal to me, do not let that get in the way of what the Lord wants to do in seeing someone set free. And so we have to remind all those that are compassionate. And that's, in a way, was one of the strongest things over the years, that team members would come to me and say, but Jenny, you know, this person, and then I'd feel awful. And But the Lord would come and speak and say, no, do not tolerate this spirit, not one inch. The Bible warns us, of course, never to let her have a foot in the door. So next week, I'd like to share more on how we pray to see the power of Jezebel defeated. But in, can I give you some homework? By next week, have a look at Isaiah 47. We will be studying Isaiah 47, the scripture that we mostly use to contend, to decree against this stronghold over nations, not only over our own life. So I think, Sue, I could leave it there if anybody's got any questions or any comments you'd like to make. I think that there will be a lot of questions, and I really feel like we need to take this moment to vet out what you just spoke. It was like taking a drink out of a fire hydrant. <laughs> and I'm sure that we can all, we all have places where we relate to. Can you describe maybe some signals that you're dealing with this, this spirit, just warning signs that you've heard. For me, it's, for instance, if you're trying to gently correct somebody, they react very strongly against it. That to me is a signal. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. There are a number of signals. I think one thing alone isn't enough for us to discern that it's a Jezebel. But when we see a number of things, then we think, what are we looking at here? And those manifestations that I mentioned to you, the person may not have all of them, but just to have even two or three of them would start us thinking, what is going on here? And it's, it does take a lot of courage. This is why we need to stand with leaders who are disciplining the person and very often has to ask the person to leave a ministry. That's common, to leave the church or leave, leave the house of prayer because the damage. Jezebel also goes around talking to the weaker sheep in the community, in the, for instance, in the house of prayer. You would, as the leader, mightn't be aware of it, but she will be stirring people up quietly, might be saying things like, do you notice that Jenny is, what can I say, Jenny lately doesn't seem to be making the right decisions and do anything to get people to not, to not trust in the leadership. And we're not aware that's going on unless people come and tell us and they should be free to come and tell us and the Jezebel will say, don't dob on your friends. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. 
And so everything is kept in darkness secretly. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the Bible says the blood of Christ goes on cleansing us from all sin. So we walk in the light. We bring it to the light. But we bring it to the light lovingly, but we bring it to the light sharing. Leadership need to know what is going on. And then leadership seeks the Lord as to how to address it. And what the person doesn't realise, if you ask them to leave, the Lord is actually trying to do them a favour because he's probably sending them out into the wilderness. We've all had our wilderness walks. And so we never want to go out into the wilderness. But once you get in the wilderness, you actually get used to wilderness life because you're learning so many lessons from the Lord. And then he says, I'm bringing you out of the wilderness. And you go, no, I like it here in the wilderness. Lord." <laughs> he says, no, you've got to come out of the wilderness now. Um, so part of the joy of us walking in the Lord is just following him where he takes us. But we cannot allow anybody under a Jezebel spirit to be present in the community. It is just... That's what I'm saying. Don't let mercy overrule uh, the threat of Jezebel. God knows what he's doing and leaders listen to the Lord. And so we have to be courageous. But people don't see that you're actually doing the person a favour because if they're not set free of this, God cannot give them any more authority in the kingdom. He loves them so much. You always feel the love of God for people. but that mustn't soften our hearts that we're not there because leaders protect the flock and you're protecting the vineyard that God has put you in, that you're the gatekeeper of a vineyard and you can't say to the Lord, oh, they're one of my best friends. I'd like to quickly also say, usually these people are good people. That's why the enemy's attacking them. They're good people and they love the Lord and they have a passion to do his will. If that wasn't, Jezebel wouldn't be interested in them. So they're good people and we want to see them come through and be set free. And they need to have prayer and they need to have counselling to find out what is the root? How did this spirit get in your life? Was it generational or what was it something that's happened in your life? What is going on here? Sadly, they're often so blind they will not receive They'll say, there's nothing wrong with me. God's told me. It's always God's told me. There's nothing wrong with me. It's you. It's, you know, you're wrong. And they'll go away and they'll badmouth you around the city, state, nation or whatever. But you just know you've done the will of the Lord. Amen. Great answer. Jan. That was great, Jenny. <laughs> I was just going to mention that syrupy niceness that presents itself I know being about the 80s or 90s there was a lot of syrup around a lot of sweetness and it was pretty oh, terrible and I think that is one of the signs where you think oh there's something not quite real here yeah I've seen that too that's a good point yeah Virginia Jenny first of all thank you so much that was tremendous but I'd just like to ask you to comment on something. There's quite a strong strand here in Nevadale elsewhere that rather than perhaps tackling the issue, we have to respond in the opposite spirit. Now, there is a truth in that, but it also seems to me that it's actually covering up 
the truth about a situation. Can you please comment on that? That is exactly right. It, it, we cannot cover up like that. We have to we have to bring this to the forefront. We have to, as I've said, we can you just say the last part again that you said? Yeah, that we have to respond in the opposite spirit. So something yeah. has happened that's wrong. Yeah. The or... problem with Jezebel is that she doesn't respond to us responding in the opposite spirit. We are the way we're ministering in it, we are doing it in the opposite spirit, but we're not compromising one bit. This is the friction in the battle, out of my experience, is that it's hard for everybody else to understand what is really going on here. So some would say, just, just love them, we'll come through. Demons never respond to love, but they don't, that's, they just don't respond to love. So that's not going to work. So they have to trust the leadership and pray for the leadership. And we always call in the angelic host, of course, to be around us and protecting us. This is very, this is, we need that protection from the Lord and he is faithful and he grants it. So I hope I agree with what you're saying. But it seems to me that this, that the truth of responding in the opposite spirit as godly people has been twisted by the enemy to actually cover up the evils happening. Yes. It, you're quite right because it's a compromise it's a compromise you we won't win that way because the Jezebel spirit will not respond that way and looking at Elijah and Jezebel she did not respond she didn't even respond when he had that great victory you think that would have inspired her the great victory on Mount Carmel but not at all it just made her angrier Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Virginia. Um, we're almost at the top of the hour. At the top of the hour, we are going to shift over into prayer for the Hoot gathering. But Jenny, I was just thinking about what you have said. And there's one of the reasons we have the core values for the Global Watch, and we're a Global Watch community. So I'm just putting it out there for everybody to look at. The core values are there to guard and protect the community and to keep it healthy, let's put it that way. And there's no condemnation in this conversation tonight and this teaching, it, but it's to help sharpen us all up because this, this influence, it's global and it's going to get worse. It's the same spirit as what we say the Antichrist is. And it's rising across the nations. And we as watchmen need to learn and humble ourselves when we've been under that influence. Understand that it's not the person. It is the spirit behind it. And what we want to do is keep the door shut that causes that influence to come in. And it's going to be a loving learning process for us all. And the other thing I just want to talk about is mercy because I feel a lot of people in the intercessory realm and those who are lean more in the intercessory realm really struggle with mercy over everything. And in the watchman realm, it's, it's more, there's mercy, but what we're should be attuned to is God's covenant, aligning God's covenant over that issue. And that'll keep us from being sucked into unsanctified mercy, which feeds this thing. 
Does that make well sense? Well said, Sue, said. That is so important. Sometimes when we are trying to discipline someone and help them under this spirit, others will say to us, you're not being merciful enough. That's what I was trying to explain. That's one of the accusations that will come because their redemptive gift is mercy. And so they see mercy in everything. And that actually can do great damage in the battle. They need to be, be told that we know mercy triumphs over judgment, but in this case, the enemy is not going to respond to that mercy. Yeah. It's not easy being a leader. <laughs> yeah, Jenny, I think it's just a quick comment that it's a very, you know, what you're, what you've been talking about and what you're going to be talking about next week. It's just very sobering that we actually, we do have an enemy that hates us and wants to see us destroyed. And, and this is partly why watchmen have to be in community because we can't, we cannot deal with this. If we try to deal with this as lone rangers, we're going to be taken out. And, and one of the reasons that Susan and I have and are developing a leadership team around us is because we understand that we have weaknesses and we have blind spots and we have definitely a need for prayer. And, and it's just, we really appreciate that from the watch. And as we're learning, as we're flowing in the river, I'm saying to myself, gosh, Lord, did you, did I sign up for this? But actually this is part of the walk. Yes. In fact, we did. And what helps us to get through the difficult decisions that we have to make is to have people around us who are willing to speak the truth in love and pray for us. We, we so desperately need that. It's very humbling. I think we have a lot to just ponder and to meditate on. And Fred, I think we will close this off and then move yeah. on to the Heronhood prayer. It'll yeah. be just for a half an hour for those who want to stay on. <clears throat> Yeah, let's just have uh, Allison. Would you just uh, would you just close us off in prayer, and then we'll move right into the Heron Hut prayer, which is going to be uh, going to be a half an hour. And we're you can get off if you want. If we invite you to stay on, if you'd like to stay on, which we're going to do this every week up until the Heron Hut meeting. So go ahead, Allison. Father God, we thank you so much for your unbelievable love. Lord, you are great, you're good, you're full of kindness and mercy, your love never fails us. And we thank you, Lord, that Jenny is such a testament of that. We declare, Father, that she and all of us, Father God, are covered by the blood of the Lamb, and we bind up any repercussions or payback from this vital truth, these vital truths being declared. Uh, especially in this global setting. And we just thank you, Father, that your power is far greater than that of the enemy and that you cause each one of us to be alert and aware and, Father, to absolutely gain great understanding and revelation knowledge of what you are saying to us right now. Lord, we choose to follow you. We choose to be strong in the strength of your might, we choose, Father God, to obey your word and help us to see and detect this enemy 
that is after our very souls. Lord, we declare that you are far greater than any other spirit. And we just thank you that you have equipped us. And we choose to act on everything, Lord, that you are telling us to do, not to tolerate Jezebel. We give you all the praise and all the glory and we bless Jenny. We bless Brian with your love and we thank you for them and the examples that they are to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, amen. Thank you again, Jenny. Great, just an amazingly rich teaching and we're so appreciative. All right, let's move right into praying for Heron Hut. 